Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. It's not a happy start to the Diwali week for Indian cricket fans. We saw the team lose pretty badly to Pakistan and they backed it up with an almost equally bad performance against New Zealand. For that and more, here's Ayaz. Welcome to the show, Ayaz. Thanks a lot, Mr. Fantastic. As you said, this is not a good start to the Diwali week. And, and frankly, I must say that I'm extremely disappointed by India's performance. You can have one bad match, you can have one bad day. But to have two bad days, and in fact, the second batting performance or the second performance was worse than the earlier one. Because uh, by now you know how the pitches will play. You've seen how New Zealand has played in the first match, etc., etc. And you expect the batting, the star-studded batting lineup to have delivered more than 110 runs. You, you can't. However, difficult stroke plays, the ball is stopping and coming, there's no pace in the pitch. It's virtually impossible to defend 110 against an experienced international team. You know, it can happen that once in a while you might pull off a miraculous win that will come against some of the lesser endowed teams in terms of talent, but against a top-notch team like New Zealand, and especially a team which has fared so well against you in the past couple of years. ODI World Cup, if you remember from 2019, they beat us in the semi-finals. Earlier this year, they've beaten us in the inaugural Test Championship. So, both teams knew each other. You, have to, you know, everybody sized up. How, how do I put it? It's not just a paltry total that India posted, but it was an appalling batting performance. Yeah, I mean, uh, what is the cause of this batting lapse or sudden loss of form all around? I mean, these are players who were talking the ball less than 15 days ago in the IPL. KL Rahul looked like he could look at a ball and make it go over the boundary. And he's now struggling to time it. Even Rishabh Pant, someone like a Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, everyone's just out of form at the same time. How does that happen? Well, that's a million-dollar question. I think, I think in, in a sense, uh, Virat put his finger on, on what the issue could have been. And I think it's, he was quite blunt. And he said that timidity was perhaps the big reason. And that timidity comes from a sense of fear of failure. Uh, and, but, you know, that's the, that's the astounding part. Because Rohit Sharma has got 10, 11 years of experience at the international level. So too Virat Kohli. Uh, KL Rahul has been around for 6-7 years in international cricket. And he's been in the form of his life, as we saw in the IPL. Punch is, an, you know, he's, he's not an emerging star, but he's a superstar in his own right. And then to find all of them bombing. I think the biggest problem for India was that in neither match they got a start. By the time the power play ended, the six overs ended, India were on the back foot or in the hole. And from there, to emerge from that hole, they were depending on players who were not doing too well, like Hardik Pandya. So that really compounded the issue. Uh, in the first match against Pakistan, they made 150, but that was a pitch on which India should have got about 175, 180. And then you may, not have, you may still not win the match, but you would put up a far better fight. Against New Zealand, uh, you know, 110 is asking for thrashing, which is what happened. Now, the only thing one can say in defence uh, of the Indian team is not that they were tired and fatigued and all that. Uh, you know, I'll put serious disclaimers to that uh, excuse that IPL bought Kelia and they've had a busy year and bubble, but so have all the other players, frankly. I think the only thing you can say is in both teams, uh, in both matches, Virat was unlucky to lose the toss. And as we've seen the pattern that has emerged in this uh, T20, is that teams batting second have a marked, I mean, have a huge advantage. I think only about two matches have been won by teams batting first. The rest have all favoured teams batting second. So, I think that maybe that you could say 
a little bad luck but you expect a team uh, of such stars and so much experience depth of experience to overcome such ill luck uh, and especially two matches in a row if you fail similarly then obviously there there can be no excuse well there's jokes being made about this and that this is notice period for both of these guys that is uh, virat kohli and ravi shastri but uh, the the performance on the field is just shocking to say the least uh so what does this mean for india's qualifying should we pack up should we pack up hope of this uh, title <laughs> no 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 you are you are hanging ranking in there by slender thread one of the mino teams when i say mino i mean scotland namibia or uh, afghanistan i don't want to call them mino because they are a very good team in fact they are number 2 currently in this pool so if they beat new zealand and beat them beat new zealand with a lot with a big margin and india beats the remaining three teams and beats them handsomely uh, by huge margins that that includes beating afghanistan which may not be so easy then you could sneak in into the last four but frankly it's uh, you know if you expect scotland to beat new zealand or afghanistan or namibia then you must expect that you know they could beat india too because new zealand have beaten india so convincingly yeah i mean if if our hopes are dependent on one of these guys beating uh new zealand it's or even pakistan for that matter that looks unlikely uh speaking of pakistan i mean they've hit more than a rich vein of form haven't they they look favorites for the title and i know most indian fans won't like to hear this but uh them along with england seem like the dream final right now yeah so i think like in, in my opinion mr fantastic england have kind of put a nose ahead of pakistan in 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 which has been the most impressive team and by the way they completely dismantled australia the first match they beat defending champions west indies by a huge margin bowling them out for 55 this dismantling of uh, of australia was a tremendous show of prowess all round prowess uh, you know australia was not a bad team is not a bad team in fact australia in the same boat as india star studded team but not up to much except that australia won one match we haven't won any but for australia to be restricted to 125 you know it seemed like it was a very dicey pitch very tricky pitch and these guys went and hammered those runs in in less than 12 overs the batting is you know pow- looking powerful butler and roy and besto and malan and all the other and the bowling has looked extremely uh, strong with jordan and wokes wokes and adil rashid moin ali and the captaincy of uh, ian morgan has been so impressive so astute you know in the match against australia he didn't use Moin Ali at all. Moin had taken a hand, a bag full of wickets in in the earlier matches, and here he sussed out that he didn't need Moin. Moin with his off spin, somebody plays across the line, slogs across the line, he might concede a few runs. That's the nature of the game. So he just kept him out of the firing line, and they won handsomely. So I think that England look a little more, you know, better prepared in my opinion for the for white ball cricket under Morgan. Yes, they don't have Stokes and Jofra Archer, which makes it even more. laudable and admirable the way they have been performing pakistan looking very strong but remember in two matches pakistan afghanistan gave pakistan a tough fight so too did new zealand and both those matches were actually won by asif ali who came in as a you know finisher the, the kind of role we expect hardik pandya to do and he's done in the past unfortunately not this time but barring the first match where shahin shah afridi completely you know made messed up india's prospects in the power play and then babar azam and and rizwan came and made those runs without losing a wicket asif ali has looked extremely strong 
There is a little bit of an issue, I think, with Shoaib Malik and Mohammad Afiz, not because uh, they lack in talent, but you know, have they got enough runs? Maybe Shoaib has. Uh, is the batting extremely stable? Is very good. Is it as stable as England's? I'm not so sure. And the bowling attack, I think, both Pakistan and England are top class. So, just to take up that point again, Ayaz, about uh, Moin Ali not getting selected. Do you think the Indians uh, overdid the changes? I mean, Rohit Sharma did not open after just what should really be called one failure to a terrific ball from uh, Shaheen Afridi. And we had Ishan Kishan who failed, Surya Kumar Yadav was dropped, Hardik Pandya was back. Is this a sign of massive confusion in the ranks right now? It would seem so. I mean, confusion or not, but obviously there was... They were under duress and under pressure. I mean, Moin Ali did play in the match against Australia. He didn't bowl. So, you know, what I was trying to establish is that Moin, uh, Morgan's captaincy is not going by predictable moves. You know, he was quite inventive. But in the case of India, you know, I, I was a little surprised that Rohit didn't open. Uh, Rohit and Rahul. Uh, because they are your best openers. They have been. And why would you want to change that after one defeat? But uh, obviously... I think the thinking was that if Surya Kumar Yadav is not playing, they said he's got a back spasm. And then Ishan Kishan, Pant and Hardik, uh, they, they thought that Ishan Kishan may not be able to be the kind of finisher they had in Surya Kumar Yadav. He could be used as a floater up in the order. I think the worry was that let's not lose too many wickets in the power play and therefore keep one of the major batsmen behind, that is Rohit at number three, Virat at number four. Then you know, kind of navigate your way through the power play and then then take it from there. I think that was a bit of a defensive thinking, if more than anything else. Because you expect your, you know, Rohit Sharma, I mean, he's perhaps the best batsman in white ball cricket. Why would you want to uh, shield him, so to speak? Or Virat Kohli, who's averaging over 50. And what happened subsequently or consequently was that you lost three wickets in power play itself. And from there, the recovery became extremely, like it happened against... Pakistan, but there at least, you know, because it was a better track, 150 runs were scored, not adequate, of course. But this was a not such a great pitch. Uh, stroke play was difficult. Though, when New Zealand batted, it looked easier because the, the target was so small. So, I think there was a little confusion about, you know, batting order. But, frankly, it's, a, it's the ineptitude of the batting in both matches, frankly, which is to be blamed can't pick one player or the other. There's been only one guy who's made, what, a half century? That's Virat against Pakistan. The others have, you know, Pant made 39 against Pakistan. But beyond that, the batting performances have been very shallow. 12, 15, 18, 26, 5, 0, like that. Which is not, uh, you know, becoming of a team which is loaded with such talent and which actually started the tournament as joint favourites, if not the, uh, you know, the only favourites. I think we're a far way away from that. Uh, we've definitely relinquished the favourites tag now. Uh, I, I think among the f- uh, other teams that have kind of come to terms with who they are and where they stand, Sri Lanka had a heartbreaking loss against South Africa. They looked good for the win. And even if South Africa now has a win under their belt, they still don't look like the South Africa of old. Uh, again, big tournament chokers, as we all know, historically. So, uh, any further expectations from either of those teams, I ask? I think Sri Lanka, look, uh, they're playing England. So, we, uh, we don't know the result of that match. But I, I can hazard a guess what's going to happen because England looked just too formidable. I think Sri Lanka lack a little self-belief. You know, Asaranga got a hat-trick in that match and they allowed actually uh, South Africa to squeeze past them. 
South Africa actually has a terrific bowling attack. You know, in Rabada, Norke, Pretorius, the, the pace bowlers, and then they've got two spinners in Tabre uh, Shamsi and Keshav Maharaj. It's in the batting that they have an issue. So unless Quinton Decock fires big time, they're going to struggle. You know, they're missing the experience and the caliber of players like A.B. De Villiers and Faf Duplessis. Duplessis. But you can't can't hang on to those names forever. So some of the other guys have to stand up. Uh, I think somebody like David Miller, who's been around for so many years and has, you know, not lived up to promise entirely. And uh, I think Adrian Makram has done well. Because he was not a T20 or a white ball specialist, but he's doing extremely well, uh, having made his place there in the team. I think more is needed from Babuma and some of the others, Captain Babuma. And remember also, they also came through a bit of a controversy with the Decock not taking the knee for Black Lives Matter. Thankfully, it was resolved and they came with a win. So they've kept their hopes alive. But you're right. I mean, it's it's not a you know, high-octane team as we won. We thought South Africa or we know South Africa to have been in the past. Not that they won anything major, but at least on paper, they always looked a very strong team. This time, they're looking a modestly good team unless, as I say, Quinton Decock really fires big time. Well, so what do, what do you foresee in the semi-final lineup? I mean, it's almost a given that England, New Zealand and Pakistan will be there. Sorry to be brutally true about that to all England fans. Is it Australia, South Africa or Sri Lanka? Because that definitely is the group of death. Yeah, that is the group of death. It's also in, now as it's emerging a more exciting group, more close close matches there than in, in this group where India is. Uh, India, as we've discussed, hanging in by a slender thread. Too many ifs and buts to make India go through. I think it's just false hope. Yeah, well, it could be. But let's say, see, sports can be funny. So let's hope, you know, it's fingers crossed for India. But where uh, the other team from the other group is concerned, England are through. I think that Australia, I mean, when you look at the team, when you read out names like Warner, Smith, Finch, Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, Maxwell, Stoyness, you wonder why this team can't win every match it plays. But, you know, they are struggling. It's just just lack of cohesion. I also feel that, you know, they are a little locked, locked up in time. Uh, as to how to approach T20 matches. The ch- massive changes have taken place tactically and in the approach in batting and bowling, which seems to not have seeped into the Australian system. That's my reading of the situation. So, uh, if they have one more bad day, then I think it may be, you know, curtains for them. It, it, it's a very open group still. West Indies, do they have a chance? You know, they've lost two matches, one of them so badly that their net run rate is extremely poor. So they'll have to uh, really perk up and win everything by massive margins to be in contention. But at least what is emerging from the other group is that there are still possibilities of one team racing past the other or toppling somebody else. Because the teams are evenly matched uh, in the group where India and Pakistan and New Zealand are. Three teams are very weak. Afghanistan not that weak. But uh, there's a good chance if Afghanistan beats New Zealand that they might... You know, even if we beat them, Afghanistan might go ahead because of a net run rate advantage. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the net run rates in the second group where India is, Afghanistan's got the best net run rate, three runs right now. And India is a negative one and a half. So it's going to need a huge win for India over uh, Afghanistan or collectively over the remaining three teams. Yeah, I mean, really, they have to thrash Namibia and Scotland by huge margins. Win convincingly, which is a with a with a good margin against uh, Afghanistan, and then hope that Afghanistan beats New Zealand, and you know therefore 
kind of it comes down to net run rate yeah i mean in the other group it you're right it's deliciously placed actually they've all played three games and they're reaching kind of what you'd call the knockout stages england sri lanka could very well decide whether sri lanka has any further role to play in this or not uh, but uh, australia west indies could could actually turn out to be an interesting one given south africa's trench on for losing big matches so that's that's a very exciting group i mean it's it's a tragedy for bangladesh that they couldn't do better in the qualifiers and ended up in that group they might have had a slightly better chance had they been in the other group but uh, they continue to disappoint on the global stage oh absolutely i think that bangladesh just to add a, little, a sentence or two about bangladesh they played a lot of matches at home and won all convincingly uh, you know because of the pitches they prepared and i think it gave us false sense of security coming into the world cup and they've been badly exposed so they really need to rethink their strategy uh, of, of how they play at home well let's hope that the indian team can at least finish with wins i have zero hopes of them making it through to the final four uh, the others well you're welcome to continue and keep hoping uh, look forward to catching up again on more cricket but for now let's move on to somil and chat about the football Hey Mr Fantastic there actually is quite a fair bit going on in the world of football right now and in this past week we had some big ticket fixtures and some great results and essentially the whole of the Premier League was shaken up by quite a few big ones let's start with the biggest one to be honest with you let's start with Tottenham versus Manchester United and i'm not sure if you can call this the biggest fixture to be honest with you right now because both teams are in such flailing states where the teams are not performing at the highest level their managers are under criticism and in this case at the new tottenham stadium tottenham were beaten at home by i wouldn't say a full flow manchester united team but but what a team that did slightly better against in what they did of course against liverpool they were beaten 3-0 ronaldo of course scoring the first goal and becoming the oldest joint oldest scorer in the premier league history and cavani piled on the madness marcus rashford was there as well it was a quick high intense attacking game by man united that that worked that worked according to their stars and i wonder if it's the start of a new dawn but I, i honestly don't think so it's just papering over the cracks but the cracks seemingly have now been filled up by tottenham who thought that well the newly appointed nuno espirito santo was just a bit too disappointing in his four months and they were just not having any of it they had a string of disappointing results tottenham just aren't anywhere where they are supposed to be in the league as well in fact tottenham right now on the table where are they tottenham are eight 15 points and it's not that bad of a start when you consider man united as well who just has 17 but this is not what the new directors want from their manager and so nuno espirito santo after only 4 months in charge of tottenham has now been fired from his job after that 3-0 loss and tottenham were bad it wasn't even a competition in that match and i wonder if united are also going to follow a similar fate but this just has to be a question of what if What if Nuno Espirito Santo could have done something more special? It, it seemed like a match made in heaven at the start because both these managers and the teams, it, both running on high pragmatism. That's Nuno's style. That's what Nuno has done everywhere where he's gone. And Tottenham also very much similar in the way they're running. Unfortunately, things haven't quite worked out and Tottenham are in the hunt for a new manager who may as well be Antonio Conte according to the rumors so that's going to be interesting but yes that win does put Manchester United in a slightly better position and that does save Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just by a little bit but as i said early on i think it's just papering over the cracks united were good but there are other problems to address as well but finally a return to winning ways but things will be getting a little tougher with all the fixtures coming up 
But the other results, Mr. Fantastic, they, what can I tell you? They were amazingly hilarious in a way. West Ham United beating Aston Villa 1-4 in an absolutely crazy match. But the one where you will really be interested is what happened to Liverpool and Man City. They didn't play each other, of course. Uh, That's going to happen a bit later on in the season. But Liverpool drew 2-2 against Brighton. At home, that is, at Anfield. And Brighton were resilient. It was a really interesting match. With Jordan Henderson, of course, starting out with the scoring very early on at the fourth minute. Mane, of course, got Liverpool into a 2-0 lead. But that's what happened. Brighton got the score to 2-2. They fought hard. And, of course, it was a match dominated by Liverpool in terms of possession, in terms of their style of play. But Brighton's resilience was eventually what got them a really good draw. And that's the thing with Brighton. It's a club that's really strong, a tight-knit group of players, essentially. And results like this prove why they're one of the more plucky teams in the Premier League and why they're actually only seventh with 16 points. That's amazing for Brighton. Such a small club in relation to Liverpool, that is. But while Liverpool lost only one point, Man City dropped. Well, Man City dropped quite a fair few because Man City lost to Crystal Palace 2-0. That's not even away. That's at home. That's with the red card. And that's Emmerich Laporte gone at halftime. Wilfred Zaha opening the scoring in that match in minute number six. And Conor Gallagher just pounced on their misery at minute 88. Let's just be honest. It was totally Man City's game. It was totally one-sided. Totally dominated by them in terms of possession. In terms of shots on target as well. But just another plucky low mid-card Premier League team putting out a really stunning performance. Crystal Palace capitalised on their opportunities when they could. And just like Brighton, they also scored two goals. But in their defence, they did not even let one go past. And what does that do to the league, you may ask? Well, Chelsea, of course, after the win against Newcastle on the same weekend, now have a three-point lead at the top. Well, they're not the only undefeated team. I mean, of course, they are defeated in the Premier League is what I mean to say. Liverpool, the only undefeated team. But Liverpool have had far more draws. Four, in fact, in comparison to Chelsea's mere one. And this just means that now things are getting rather tricky at the top. This battle, when we see Chelsea versus Liverpool in January, is going to be even bigger, the stakes being even higher, when Liverpool just has to, has to defeat Chelsea to get back in this Man City, of course, are five points behind Chelsea in P number three. But West Ham are tied with them. And after that win against Aston Villa, West Ham are fourth ahead of United, ahead of Arsenal, ahead of Brighton, ahead of Spurs, ahead of many great clubs. They're just having a magical year this time out. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Premier League. By the way, while we are at it, Arsenal also scored two goals against Leicester City. And they also got a really good win. And while we were just bashing all the doldrums and signalling that a bad, bad year might be ahead for them. They've actually recovered it quite well. and Mikhail Arteta must get some credit for that. The younger players are delivering quite well and things are looking good on their side. Still, still not title contenders, still not Champions League contenders, but it's a long year and the signs are looking bright right now. Pains me to say this, but hey, it is what it is. By the way, uh, a bit of a somber note to end today's football section, unfortunately, with because Sergio Aguero one of the great strikers of the Premier League, one of the great strikers of this whole era. And of course, currently playing for Barcelona, has been diagnosed with a heart disease. It's called arrhythmia, 
I hope I've pronounced that correctly. It's a relatively common heart phenomenon, but he will be uh, in intensive care at the hospital, of course, and he won't be allowed to get out there and go to train, which is a real shame because a striker like him should be on the pitch, should be enjoying and should be playing in his best years. And when you consider that a footballer's lifespan in the world of football is so limited, you don't want to see them being taken on by such health diseases. And so Barcelona on the big front miss a really great striker. But the more important thing is hopefully Sergio Aguero is okay. It's, it's a matter of health right now. Football can come second. You can only play football if you are okay. And we certainly hope that Sergio Aguero will be back in the pink of his health rather soon. Because this, this is not very good to hear. With that Barcelona also in a really tricky circumstance. But that's all for the football today, Mr. Fantastic. It was a wild weekend, as I mentioned, in the Premier League. Lots of good stuff is going to be coming in the coming weeks as well. And I'm just going to wonder, or thought to leave this episode on, what happens with Tottenham? Who comes up next? What if it is Antonio Conte? This is going to be another big-ticket hire for a team that's gone for three big-ticket hires in a row. But two of them haven't quite worked out. So let's wait and watch. Let's wait and watch to see if Tottenham are actually going to rebuild something. And if Manchester United are also going to follow suit in the coming weeks. Thank you so much, Mr. Fantastic. That's it from us for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to catching up next week. And hopefully we'll have more about an Indian win to chat about. And hopefully that will possibly have also taken the Indian team into the semis. But... Not likely. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks again, Ayaz. Look forward to catching up next week. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. Always a pleasure being on the show. Take care.